All right, welcome back to another episode of Country and Cold Cans. Here it is, Co Wetzel Day. We're recording February the 28th. Uh, I'm Logan, sitting here with Trucker Andy and Kyle. Be sure to give us five stars and a great review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Stitcher. And check out the website, countryandcoldcans.com. We have hats and t-shirts as well as blog content available on the website, countryandcoldcans.com. Brand new tailgate season hats for the cold can sports fans out there that may or may not have listened to the ACC podcast we have. Check that out if you haven't on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, click the description in this podcast and click the link that says click here to leave a voicemail. Um, we'd love to hear from you. We'll play it on the show. All right, guys. Once again, Co Wetzel Day, uh, February the 28th. Did anyone have Taco Bell? Uh, tacos, no. not Taco Bell. I had Mexican food, but not Taco Bell. Yeah. It made uh, turkey tacos. Oh, yeah. Turkey tacos? Like turkey yeah. meat? Like turkey yeah. ground? Was it ground turkey? Ground yeah. turkey, yeah. Yeah, me and Ben are trying to be healthier. Ah, I don't know. There's virtually no difference in the taste. No, it isn't. Um, it's a lot less grease. So, yeah, that's true. I had a steak burrito today. We had a uh, company lunch at Chewy's. One of the uh, who claims to be Tex-Mex. Not really. It's very Americanized Mexican food, but it was all right. It is Tex-Mex. Oh, is is that what that means? Every Tex-Mex I've ever had is basically what you get at Taco Bell, basically. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, I thought Tex-Mex was a lot more authentic than, than Yeah, that. I thought that was like specific to, to Texas. Like yeah. Taco Bueno, like that's, I think that is considered Tex-Mex. Mm. I believe that is a Texas company. It's like Taco Bell. Have you ever seen the thing that the guy did where... He just ate Taco Bell and he at least ate one item different on the menu for like six months and his cholesterol and he lost weight. Really? Both went down. Yeah. So he at least ate one thing off the menu. You know, he didn't ever, ate every single thing, but he ate there three meals a day for six months and his cholesterol. Did he and just he pick something weight. random, or did he like strategically no, he, pick it? We, well, he had his favorites, you know, but he he made sure that he ate every single thing on the menu at least once. So yeah, he ate it three meals a day for six months and lost weight, and his cholesterol went down. But is there more to it? Is it like the Subway perv guy that ate Subway every day? <laughs> the reason he lost so much weight is because he walked to Subway. I mean, this guy was already in pretty good shape, so I'm not going to totally attribute it to Taco Bell, but, you know, he showed his results. Taco Bell's not the worst for you. No. No, no. Um, It can't be because, you know, you're shitting 15 minutes after you order it. (laughs) So obviously you're not keeping too much in your system. It's not the best, but it's definitely not the worst. And yeah, I mean, if it doesn't stay in you long, how bad can it be? Yeah, I mean, that's probably not a good motto to live by, but. Well, obviously, obviously, you know, you're not keeping the carbs in, you know, if it's just in and out. (laughs) I love Taco Bell, man. I love Taco Bell. I like Taco Bell, but it's like, it don't like me after I eat it. I love it while I'm eating it. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, I'm. By the time I eat it, and 
if I eat it while driving home, when I get home, it, we're done. I think I'm doing <laughs> Then if you happen to throw a Zen it. in or something. Yeah. Well, oh, God. I miss those things. <laughs> well, you've been strong on it so far, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oof. Mm. I, I do miss those. Those things, though. <laughs> All right, well, today we're going to be talking about the brand-new Muscadine Bloodline record, Teenage Dixie. Just came out this past week. Um, anybody who listens to this show regularly knows that we've covered some of the singles as they've come out, and we were all pretty hype about the things we've heard. Looking forward to this project. Um, this, I got to say, I was, like, it lived up to my expectations. Like, uh, their album, you know, their type of music, they call it, they call it Red Clay Country. They even sell a T-shirt on there um website saying that but they sonically speaking loved this record it's uh got a perfect mix of country uh country rock kind of sitting in there and then i think the thing that really impressed me other than just the sound of it was the the songwriting on this you had your normal standard fare of love songs heartbreak songs but then you had some narrative driven songs and i was impressed by by that as well just the overall effort and uh Andy, I think you said it when you texted us that this was uh the it, the uh, sound of this record. This is the best sounding record you've heard in a while. And I've contend that if this is what mainstream country should sound like. Yeah, I'm pretty big on the sound of it. I I was doing some mental calculations on my head today. I'm gonna say it's probably def certainly top ten all time for me on sound. Let's that's pretty up there. Uh, I was uh, I was nervous. I was so hyped for it. I was nervous to listen to it because I was scared it was going to let me down, and it didn't. It's awesome. There, there yeah. is sound wise, no miss all the way through. At all. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Now there were some that I preferred other than uh, to others, but obviously I agree. Like it, they got it right. They got it right on uh, sonically speaking on this. And the, the really cool thing about it is I think that in terms of tempo and all that, they really sequenced this album well because you had enough like bangers in a row and then you then you kind of like slowed it down at, at the right times, in my view. Um, now, some of the songwriters on this, I've, I find very, very uh, intriguing from when I just read the liner notes uh, before it was released. And then it definitely kind of uh, lived up to it. But like Evan Rudin was written uh, with Brent Cobb and Adam Hood, Adam Hood, who we've had on the show interviewed on here. Um, Azalea Blooms and uh, Named After Natives was co-written with BJ Barham from American Aquarium. I, I see that. Mm-hmm. So like it, they had a good uh, cast of like co-writers on this. And then Gary Stanton's, uh, record or record. His writing is all over this record. There was a handful that he he solo wrote. Um, I do hats off on the songwriting on this. I I was very impressed. Mm-hmm. So um, I my original thought on this uh, album was this is in my head what reminded me of what I think radio country would have been. If we had never went through the bro country era. Right. I think it's just a natural maturation to where we, to who they are, is where we would have ended up anyway. 
Um, they had all uh, keys, if you will, for me. They have a breakdown in a country song, which is something you don't hear, which I think is amazing. Um, and named after natives, God, just a perfect country song, in my opinion. Front to back, sound, the theme, everything about it. It's just perfect. I love the guitar solo in, at the end, or the whole band solo. Um, I even love that. I even love, you know, not to go song by song, but even more basic songs like Shootout in Sarah Land, um, Screams, Southern Culture. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's some Southern rock influence on um on this album especially within specific uh tracks yeah but i i definitely was very impressed like i said songwriting effort the way it sounded was fantastic i think so far this probably has been my favorite album of uh of favorite release of the year so far but um let's dive into the track list we won't spend a ton of time on the ones that we've already covered on the show but the the album kicked off with a banger with teenage dixie the the title track um just from the opening line of that song, it grabbed me. Love Teenage Dixie, probably one of my favorite ones on the album. Um, this one was one we talked about on a previous episode, so I won't go into a ton of detail on that, but this was a killer way to start the record. I like that song more now than when we covered it. I think I still hold the same opinion. Not much has changed for me, but Still a fantastic song. Yeah, definitely. Now, go ahead. There's a couple of things in the writing I didn't pick up on when we first talked about it that I've picked up on now. Such as? The, uh, where was it? Where he talks about that, uh, like, how he flips it from the, you're thinking that she'll probably miss me. And then at the end of the chorus, where is, uh, was it she don't give a damn about you? how it goes it from me to you thing i like that this Mm. song in particular just like i said it grabs me from the opening line Um, only recollection yeah only recollection of my senior year was a uh was a four fish tailing on a two beer buzz (laughs) now they make use of a lot of alliteration and i love alliteration um on throughout this whole record but that caught that hooked me in right away. But teenage now, Dixie, for someone, definitely a fan. Now, for someone that doesn't know what what is alliteration, like Ford fish tailing, you know how the they both start with F back to back, or same four same phonetics. Sake. Yeah, <laughs> for fuck's sake, Andy, <laughs> there's some for, alliteration for, some, for you. For, for someone that doesn't know, uh, Andy's like well, I definitely know, but just for the listeners the, uh, who don't, <laughs> for research purposes only, but. Phonetics for someone that doesn't know what what, what would that mean? The, the way it sounds. Oh, I knew yeah. that. Yeah, you were just trying to clarify. Yeah, I just for the people that didn't know. Yeah. Well, thank you, <laughs> Andy, for having a grammar lesson. We appreciate that, and I'm sure the audience does as well. <laughs> All right, moving into pocket full of nineties country. <laughs> I know that this one was one that a lot of people immediately latched onto on Twitter. I think it's a fun sounding song. Um, I will say this was, in my opinion, one of the weaker tracks on the record, just in terms of it, it gets a little listy in terms of just like name checking 
older right. artists and everything, yeah. which is fine. Like it's a fun yeah. song, yeah. probably fun live, but I think it's 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 not a bad song. It's just one of the weaker tracks of a fantastic album. Yeah, I thought that was the whole point of the song was let's just name check, and it's just a name check song done pretty well. I mean, but you know, it's not anything more than a name check. They just hit the I don't, they hit the cliff notes of nineties country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I thought I I thought that was I could have probably done without this one just because of the it's too name checky for me on the writing aspect. But I'm gonna I'm gonna guess since Logan didn't mention it, he might not have picked up on the very beginning of this song. Well then say it because I don't it, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, he's referring is, to I, his phone, right? The the drums coming into it. Are I- almost identical to Good Lord Lori. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like okay, I see what you're saying on that. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I didn't make the connection there, but you're right. They are. Um, I, I will say I do think part. I do think that as uh, uh, Charlie Moncaster sang on this on his part of the chorus, you know, I do think this song will get the juke joint jumping. Another example of alliteration for those that may not know. Andy knows, but just for those yeah. that don't. <laughs> but yeah, Pocketville 90s Country, probably fun live. Uh, not one of my favorites from this. Uh, next up, Made Her That Way. You know, it was one that uh, we talked about on the podcast. This was one that I think it was the first one we talked about, isn't it? I, I really liked this song so. when it came out and it, it holds up for me. This is definitely one that I'm a, I'm a fan of. Um, uh, if you want to know like more of our in-depth takes on that, just go back to one of our previous episodes from a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's been pretty recent, but... The next yeah. two actually is kind of the same as like Major That Way and Me on You we've covered on the podcast. So we don't want to take up a lot yeah. of airtime rehashing previous uh takes on these songs. But yeah, both I'm pretty of sure them it was Teenage bangers. Dixie. I'm pretty sure it was Teenage Dixie Mater That Way and Me on You were all on a three thing together that we did. I believe mm-hmm. it was, yeah. But those were ones that we were definitely fans of. Uh Kyle, I know that you sonically loved Me on You. I did. Yep. Yeah. I love that. A little bit of upbeat, uh, edgy thing they have going. So yeah, and then it grit. gets in. It gets into what I think is one of the best written songs on the album, "Inconvenience Store." Uh, we did talk a little bit about this one, but this one, I, in my opinion, I think it's worth bringing up again, just because the more I've listened to it, the more I've grown to appreciate it. You know, it's a song about uh, the story of a. They put themselves in first person here, and it's a story about you know being desperate. And having nothing to lose, so like they're going and they're they're sticking up a convenience store, mm-hmm. and I love the beginning parts where he's like, uh, he they mention each other by name, and then Gary Gary's like, uh, "Damn it, why'd damn you it. say my name?" <laughs> that but part, then he I, says Johnny, which I find funny. Do you, have you no, he that? said Charlie. No, he's one of them says one's name. Go open the door. But he said he Charlie. Didn't. He didn't say Johnny. Oh, okay, Charlie. Yeah, and then we. And he's like Charlie. Go get the well, the green or whatever he says. Yeah, I believe, believe, yeah. They're saying they only <laughs> want. They didn't come for pocket change. Yeah, <laughs> one of them's mad. He said his name, and the other one immediately then says the other guy's name, which I felt was a little bit of like incompetent funniness. If that makes oh, sense. Oh yeah. No, I will yeah. say. I will say that if Andy and I were robbing a bank, and Andy said. Uh, <laughs> Logan, go do something like that. And I was like, "Damn it! Why'd you say my name?" I 100 percent would say his name back. So yeah, I found yeah. that part very comedic. <laughs> yeah, that's what. Yeah, Charlie. Okay, I, 
Well, I thought Johnny, but yeah. Yeah, I was huge on this song when we did it the first time. Still huge on it. Yeah. Inconvenient story. I love fire. This was one of the ones where it's like telling a story. It's not just a, you know, run of the mill heartbreak or run of the mill love song. Mm -hmm. And so I love the, and I love the way that they tell a story, but they do it in different ways throughout the record. This one was like a first person story, um, which I very much appreciated the way this song turned out. The next one is one that was, I think the lead single. It was the one that was co-written with Adam Hood and Brent Cobb that we didn't talk about on the podcast, but this has been the one that when I first listened to it, I didn't love it. Now I absolutely love this song. It's Evan Rudin. Um, this song is absolutely fantastic. And the fact that they have a, a uh, Hardy's reference, we talked about it with the Riley green thing, but a Hardy's reference and a <laughs> talking about um, then Andy, you said Hardy's and dip, right? <laughs> yeah. Cause he said it's because I like how, it too, how he said his daddy's dad instead of his granddad. I don't know why I like that. But he's waiting on a Hardy's biscuit and he was sitting on the boat rigging something up uh sitting and dipping i was like damn he's making that dippy sound pretty good <laughs> andy's like i might fall off the wagon here because of uh muscadine bloodline <laughs> i could go for a dippy and a hardy's biscuit now hardy's <laughs> I, I don't know why i get so like hell yeah whenever somebody like references hardy's breakfast in a country song but i think it's maybe because of like the region we're from but I love some Hardy's breakfast. So whenever Riley Green did it, whenever Muscadine did it here, I was just like fist pumping in my car driving to work. I was like, Hardy's biscuit. Now, I have a, uh, would you get that hype if someone said Carl's Jr.? No, that would be lame okay. as shit. Yeah, even though they're, they're like the same thing. But yeah, literally the same. Yeah, yeah it's just going to be Hardy's. Yeah, I, they I always are find now, that funny. But when we were growing up, Hardy's was not the same. Were they two separate companies then? Yes, Carl Jr. is from a different part of the uh, different region of the country. Hardee's, I always thought they were the same. They 100% were. Andy Hardee's was founded in Greenville, North Carolina by Old Man Hardee. And then it was based in Rocky Mountain until 2001. The the national headquarters for for Hardee's was in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina until 2001. Hmm. I think I was thinking, though, that they'd already bought Carl Jr., that already, I thought that happened in the late 80s. I don't know. I thought they were always the same thing. So, we'll, we'll do an episode on fast food history <laughs> here soon. <laughs> but, but I like uh, this song's super southern too, which is throughout the whole album. But I don't know. It's just something, there's something redneck about taking an old boat out and just, you know, blowing through the wake zones, just. Doing some redneck shit. Well, it's even more redneck. So I'm not even that high on this song in comparison to other ones. It's really redneck. <laughs> they wrote this song about an 84 model boat in 2023. So, it, you know, it's an old ass boat. But two, Evan Rudin is like the less nice version of a Yamaha or a Mercury. Which, you know, I find funny is being super redneck they just slapped a motor on a boat and they're just out there having a good time well one thing that i really liked about evan rudin in particular was it really is takes like the the beginning of the song is talking about you know him his brother and his dad and they're out on uh, the river then the second verse you know he's talking about him and a girl out on the river but it takes them in that boat and it uses it as a vehicle for like making memories yeah it, but it um, does it in an upbeat, like really, really fun song just to listen to. Yeah. So 
I was going to save this to the end. But I think this album has lifted general concepts from all-time classics in country music. I think Evan Rudin is not that far from uh, not Drive. God, his name's blanking on me. Well, it it has a similar kind of premise to Drive. It's just more fun than Drive. Drive is more, like, introspective. Right, but yes, I agree with that. But even some of the other songs, I get heavy, like, early Eric Church vibes with a little bit of edge, a little bit of grit. And I think they have taken things that have already been done, made it their own, and I'm not going to say made it better, put a hell of a twist on it, which is why I like it. Yeah. Because I can I can clearly see the influence, but it's not a straight ripoff. Right. And now, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, to me, that's a really fine line to tread but they've done it fantastically. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, for me personally, one of the standout tracks. Um, the next one, "Crying in a DMC." We, I think, but we did cover this one as well on the podcast. Uh, we either did or we had talked about doing it. But this one is just a song about. It's almost like an apology, in some ways, for being a disappointment to people in your life, and it's hilarious yeah. to me. Like from just being a disappointment about uh, used to be his little Joe Namath talking about. The narrator and his dad not being a uh, a um, <laughs> the star quarterback, and then you know not working out with uh, a girl in the second half of the song. But um, I was a big fan of Recrying in a GMC. Again, fun melody, good tempo, but still told a story. I love the way it says GMC for some reason. <laughs> it's so catchy. And then the art, album art, Andy. Remember we were talking about that with the old school GMC logo. Total. That total was sick. Yeah. Um, now, Andy, I know this was one that you had talked about. We have said so the next two uh, tracks kind of go together. One is a monologue and one is a song, both of them written solo rights by Gary Stanton of Muscadine Bloodline, uh, WT versus the devil, which leads into Devil Died in Dixie. Um, this is the WT versus the devil sets up um, the what is actually supposed to be like a sequel to Devil Went Down to Georgia by uh charlie daniels it kind of tells the story of what what happened to the devil after he left got his ass kicked against um for the battle of the golden fiddle with johnny and he goes across the line to alabama uh what were your your guys thoughts on this one i love how southern it is i love how his name is one his name's wt (laughs) so that's that's redneck and i like how too that wt got kicked out of the baptist church for not voting county dry and uh I love the way this song sounds. It's it is fantabulous. Don't do this. I like it. I think I like the way that it 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 tells a story of a continuation on a classic song by Charlie Daniels band. It's not trying to replace that song. It's just a continuation. I, I'm a fan. I think it's um, a very well done story. So now that we got the positivity out, Kyle, give us your negative opinion on why you think this is bad. Oh, grumble, grumble, grumble. I don't like reboots. Just let things live. It's not a reboot. It's, it's it a is. Yes, and sequels are often awful. Just let it live. Just let it die. Charlie Daniels, R.I.P. Rest in peace. Just, just let his, just let his stuff speak for itself. 
and I'm, you know, it's just, <laughs> no, just, just let, no, just, I'm sorry. Just, I, I respect the effort. They did a really good job. I just, the song is very good. It's very good. I just, I just, I don't, uh, uh. look, who, who are you? Charlie Daniels is a legend. Just, just let it lie. Just, I, you know, I'm just. But it sounds so good. It sounds great. I'm not going to dispute that. It sounds awesome. I just don't know how I feel about, you know, you spoofing on. Now, if Charlie Daniels was. I, I think you might need to get a dictionary because you've misused the word reboot and spoof in the last three minutes. <laughs> if Charlie Daniels was still alive <laughs> and he was on this, no problem. But he's not, you know. So I don't know. I'm just like, uh, <laughs> uh, can you can you do this? I don't know. Well, that's the song kind of, itself. Kind of, I understand kind of what you're saying. I do. I understand what you're saying. I do think the song itself is a good song, though. Oh, I, I think yeah, it's, it's about as just when you listen to it, it pretend like it, pretend like it doesn't. Just don't listen to the monologue and just forget that part and just forget that it's supposed to be a continuation the, of the story. The monologue did poison it for me. I will admit that it 100% poisoned it. It's the one thing that I didn't want to listen to the second time through. Skipped. Uh, just create your own playlist and remove it. I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, look, you know, I'm just, I'm going to be a hater on that one. So. All right. All right. Um, all right. Life itself. Andy, uh, this was probably the last one on the album I listened to. And you said, I think you're really going to like this song. This one is a absolutely fantastic song. Um, just this was a good change of pace from what we had gotten so far. I believe this was also a solo right by Gary Stanton. And it's a it's a very real kind of like uh, story that happens to a lot of people, both men and women. But this obviously from the guy's perspective about unrequited love uh, being head over heels for someone that, you know, is never going to do anything but see you as a friend. And it's it's a tale as old as time. The whole rom com uh, genre tries to do something about this, but the difference in this song versus the rom com movies is in the song, the guy doesn't get the girl. That's what makes it country music. Shit don't work out for him. It's a it's a sad song. I like this song a lot. I, it's one of my favorite sounding songs on the album. It I love the writing of it. I was like, I don't relate to this song at all. But it's one. It's probably my favorite written song on the album, which I I always think is interesting when you don't relate to something at all, but you really enjoy the the writing of it. The the writing's great on it. Sounds awesome. It, it's a this has got that double hitter to it from the writing and the the ear ear pleaser. Kyle probably hates it. We haven't hit the come up on the album yet, but um, we're still in the, you know, the low. So Andy predicted it correctly. Yeah. Um, we were all climb until we hit WT and we, we're in the low still to me. We're starting to come out of it on the next song, though. Life itself. Fantastic song. Um, I'm, I'm the unpopular one tonight. <laughs> Um, moving into good to drive, good to drive is perfectly placed in my opinion. Cause you had a lot 
more tempo on the record thus far, a, a lot more like guitars kind of like really more in your face. This one was a good change of pace and a good, like more subdued song. And this song, I really liked just the sheer sadness of it where you're sitting there and you're kind of at a bar. You're, you're not, it says you're not sober, but you know, if, if you're just telling that girl, you know, I'm not far. If you really change your mind and you want me to come back, I'm I'm still I'm still good to drive. Been here, done that. <laughs> um, this is where we start getting back on the climb. Sad shit makes me happy, man. We're, we're back on the climb here. Hit a small little ravine in the middle of the album with those three songs. Um, but we're coming back up, man. Fantastic. Slow, melodic, fantastic. Oh, so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I like this one. This is not my favorite sounding one on the record, but it's obviously great. But the, uh, I like the, the writing of it, how it's basically like, I'm drunk, but if you make your mind up, I'll, I still drive. I'll take it slow down the hill. And I also like how, I'm sure this isn't on purpose, but it's like I'll, take it slow, the I'll take it slow down the hill. <laughs> but he says that I watch out for cops patrolling Mobile, how it's like Mobile can also be referred to as a car. Yeah. I, I thought that was that was nifty. That was a word. Yeah, doohickey. I, I like that, too. We're throwing it back to the old days of the podcast. Andy, you're bringing back out the word doohickeys. Um, but no, I thought the same thing, Andy, about like that. I like that line about the uh, watching out for cops patrolling mobile because that could either be the city or, you know, j- him just saying it like the old people, old, real old country people say uh, for an automobile like that mobile. But that very good song. Um, next up is the BJ Barham co-written named after natives. I could definitely tell BJ had a hand in writing this from being a longtime American Aquarium fan. This is a fantastic, uh, really like well-written song. But I think the part that I really liked about it was sonically, this gives me heavy turnpike troubadours vibes mm-hmm. from the Ryan Engel influenced, like sounding lead guitar you know, the, the drum pattern on this song, this, if you told me this was a turn turnpike song, just from the way it sounds, I believe you. And I love that. I have listened to this song 30 more times than every other song on the album. It's the best song on the album. Um, it is a teenage love story. It's it's everything a country song should be. It's perfection. BJ, tip of the cap, did a wonderful job writing the song. Muscadine, you made it sound amazing. Yeah, I actually did. I have I have nothing to even remotely negative to say. Best song on the album by a long shot. I wouldn't say that at all. But the uh I, I forgot that uh I actually don't really know what the song's about. This is the one I don't know what's about. But yeah, it does definitely have some Ryan Englewood vibes on the guitar for sure. And I forgot earlier, speaking of turnpike in life itself, they also said let's call a spade a spade, which is a turnpike song. <laughs> yeah. But it it has sorry, so there's like a thirty second part in this song that has a solo for just about every instrument, which is what I thought of when I heard of Turnpike. 
you can hear where like each little instrument member of the band gets their 10 seconds of frame. But um he's trying to hook up with a girl and it's make just the song. No objections to that. I he's, like, he's like found said, this he's found this little spot under a bridge named after this Native American tribe, and he's trying to hook up with her. Like I said, this was um written by both guys from <clears throat> uh Gary and Charlie from Muscadine with BJ. <clears throat> I can hear BJ's influence being a co-writer here, no doubt. Thought that from the very beginning. There there were two that I was like, I knew BJ had a couple co-writes on this. There were two without me even looking it up that I was like, I feel like BJ was part of this. Ended up being correct on it. This was one of them. Uh, now, next, moving into Old Man Gillich, a little bit more of a, uh, one of the more kind of like rock-leaning uh, efforts on the project. This is one that didn't grab me at first, but I've grown to like it a lot more. I I like the narrative of this, though. I like that... I like the reason I like songs like this thrown uh, on a record is because it offers variety from just love songs and heartbreak songs. You know what I mean? They're they're it's this a high one crime just song. exactly. This tells a story that isn't just about the two things that, that the people love to say. Oh, all country is about X, Y, and Z. Well, this is just a kind of a more unique take, and um, so I I like this song strictly just from the songwriting. I like the way it sounds. I, this song's a, a banger. I like I like songs about crime and in the cartel. This is a, this is a fun one. Yeah, I hate the way this song sounds, but I like the writing. There were so many different ways they could have done, in my opinion, to make this really great. I just hate the sound of the song. <laughs> it it I, works for the type of song that it is. I think. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I forced myself to listen to it so I knew what it was about, but I just didn't. I just hated the sound of it. <laughs> All right. Moving into uh, the next song that was the second co write with BJ Barham, Azalea Blooms. This is a love song done right, in my opinion. It's not overly cheesy. It's it it paints good word pictures. Like I think it caught me right. It got me right in the chorus, whereas like I heard uh, Sheriff Cicada sing, and then like talking, and then the Azalea Blooms line going into you know the hook of that chorus or being the hook of that chorus. I I definitely like you know heard the BJ influence on this. Um, I like the way I like this song as a love song. This is the type of love song that I I generally can get behind because it isn't that boyfriend country like production. It isn't Russell Dickerson. Let me put it that way. <laughs> like I this is a type of this is a country love song done right. This is what I which I would have been correct. I I picked this to be a BJ because the uh the instrumentation at the end of the chorus to me really sounds like some American Aquariums like slower songs. And uh yeah, I don't know, you know, shit about azaleas, but I know we got down where we're from. But I like yeah, the, uh, the Azalea I like Festival the this, every year in Wilmington. Well, see, I, I this is one of the songs to me that I thought was fairly southern too in the way it was written. Well, I like the way this song sounds actually quite a bit. I, I dig the sound of it. But it's got the the azalea and also at the end it has uh, wrapped up like a vine of kudzu. I know we have kudzu. Well, that's a good point that is pervasive throughout this entire record. This is a very Southern record. The Southern references, the, you know, I mean, shit, how many times it was Dixie or Dixieland? I mean, it's in the album title, 
but it's like the just the imagery painted on this record, the stories told, the references used, the, like you said, kudzu, azaleas, all that stuff. It, it's a very southern record. It's a southern record telling stories from first person, from third person, love songs, heartbreak songs, high crime, you, you know, robbing a convenience store because you need money. This record has it. Um, I, I love that it's distinctly southern, too, as a southern man myself. Andy, have you ever seen the really famous hole of the Masters? It's got all the flowers behind it. Mm. Right behind the hole. Nope. I don't think so. There is areas. Andy um, only watches NASCAR. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the areas are really pretty flowers. Um, you know that. Women <laughs> like that. They are really pretty. They're also a bush, so you don't have to do anything to them. For the listeners, Kyle just zoned off and off to his left, and he's like, "Huh, oh, azaleas? They're really pretty fat flowers." <laughs> hey, yeah, hey man, you learn these things. Kyle, all I do is go out there with a pair of shears and cut some, giving a Bailey secret trick. You know, wink, wink, nod, nod. Um, Whose flower bed did you steal them from? I planted them, bitches, bro. <laughs> I bought them things from Tractor Supply like three years ago, and they're finally getting big enough where you can actually do it. You already know. Playing a long game here, Logan. Um, <laughs> yeah, perfect song. Um, <laughs> it's odd for me to say. The yeah, because like we don't the really album love, love in my, songs, you know. No, no, we like um, we. But what I was gonna say is, odd thing for me to say. The two best songs on the album are two BJ songs. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on them being two, uh, two of the best songs I, on there. I think they're the two best, but yes. So then we Fantastic. got two more to run through before we get to our top three favorite. Before we close out the show, the knife to a gunfight. Uh, I like the the way this song sounds, fun song. But I will say, I think it's probably one of the weaker tracks on the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys say? Totally disagree. Totally disagree. All right, but I like how the 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 last two are meant to be played in order. Right, that 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 it flows right into the next song, which is uh, sh- shout out in Sarah Land, shoot out, shoot out, um, very different than shout out. Yeah, yeah. I, I misread that as I was looking at it. Shoot out's cool as fuck, man. It's it is a cool song. It's just some badass blood that's two hundred and fifty years old. You know, yeah, and like the sonic change <laughs> midway through too. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, we yeah, had some, the, the we had some families. Rips. Yeah, we got some families that are just still pissed off in the Battle of Shiloh <laughs> in the Civil War. <laughs> we still ain't getting along. Fought on the same side, but now we hate each other. So almost so, like a Hatfield McCoy's kind of situation. Yeah, song fucks, you know. Yeah, Shootout in Sarah Land, I really liked. And I don't know what the tune of the guitar they put it in. Like you said, about a minute or so in, it's like a breakdown in the middle of the song. Shit fucks. Yeah, that rips. I'm that. That's probably my big, uh, my favorite guitar spot for the song, the album. And I like. I know it's two different one ofs, but whoever it is, man, when that guitar comes back, <laughs> he kills it after that. The little guitar rip. 
song folks. Well, the cool thing about the way they recorded this record in general was so they're a five piece band when they're um playing live and they recorded it as a five piece unit. There are places on this record where I think the steel guitar pedal steel being added to the mix would have been perfect, but they said yeah. they purposefully wanted to it to only include what they have in their band and what they play live, which I can appreciate that even if I do think a little pedal steel here and there would have added a whole lot to some of the songs, but they wanted it to have this very raw, real kind of feel um, of which I do. I do like that about them because these, these are guys who had some success through the years, but they were kind of like, they themselves will tell you, they were trying to get the attention of Nashville for so long. And then in 2020, they really, they finally just kind of had enough of trying to court Nashville and decided, why are we doing this? Let's just record the type of stuff we want to record, the type of stuff we like listening to. And that's when they put out Dispatch on 16th Avenue, uh, which was a very good record. Then this being the follow-up since they've kind of shifted to a rootier sound, um, as good as Dispatch on 16th Avenue was, this is overall miles better in my opinion. Um, this is Muscadam Bloodline hitting their stride. And I can't wait to see more from these guys because they're young dudes. I mean, they're probably around our age. Um, they've got a, a very bright future ahead of them now that they figured out exactly what they want to do and what direction they want to go. Um, overall, probably my favorite album released so far this year. It's definitely my favorite so far. It's pretty up mm-hmm. there. And uh, the production, like you said, the way you're saying, like the way it produced it, I think it came out great because it's, I like, cheaply produced stuff as well like not i'm not saying this like like well, the, chris, I, chris no, Knight, uh, let me well, finish the, well this wasn't cheaply produced this was just that's organic. not what i'm saying i haven't finished <laughs> i was you know like i was i like cheaply produced stuff like uh chris knight's trailer park tapes and, and stuff like that and then compared to your fully you know heavily produced stuff this is like right in the middle of that where it's like the way they recorded it where it does it sound like something you would hear live that had just been well produced from a live show that it's it, a great it has that, mix of it it has that live energy that pe- that good bands bring in concert on the, that they were able to to get on record um i like to your point andy i like when bands can effectively do that cuz there are so many artists that are good artists that when they go into the studio, it's so overproduced that it almost like they produce the life out of the record. This record is full of life. It's very raw. It's very real. Um, but like you said, it's not like it's not like a demo session like the the uh, trailer park tapes by Chris Knight. It it's it has good production on it, but it's not overproduced. It, it isn't, it isn't too slick. Yeah, it's not too slick. This this was a two thumbs up for me overall. I like it. Yeah. It's got some real grit on it too. Mm-hmm. Look, it's super edgy. No doubt on that. So uh, let's go. Like, our, uh, go ahead. I was say it's like one step away. From, some of the songs are like one step away from pissed off. It's <laughs> a good way. Of where, I th- where, where I think country music is at its best. In on some songs, yeah, I'm with you on that because yeah. I, I do. I do think there's a in modern. Roots Everything's music. too happy. People, it's either too happy or too sad, and it always being only your fault. Sometimes it's the girl's fault. All right, sometimes just go on spade. Spade. Off at everything, you know? man. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes things just make you angry. <laughs> That's an emotion we have. Yeah. To. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, let's close out the show with our uh, our three favorite from the record, starting at three, going to one. Kyle, why don't you kick things off? Uh, three. Ooh. Mm. Uh, me on you. You want me to do all three or just uh, yeah, I'll go all three. Okay, okay. So three and me on uh, me on you. Shit. Uh, two. I missed that song. Me on you. No, you said shit. <laughs> oh yeah, I actually hit backspace. So I lost the whole album. Um, two. I am going to go with Azalea Blooms and number one, named after natives. Andy. This is tough. Uh, I think I'm going to go with three is Teenage Dixie, two Inconvenience Store, and one Life Itself. So this has been very tough for me, uh, too, because it's changed so much as I've listened to it. Um, I would probably say that three is Inconvenience Store, two is... Azalea's Bloom and one is life itself. And then, but then realistically, if you ask me tomorrow, it'll probably be different. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's tough for me to pick my top three favorite because I have about half the album I legitimately loved. I could have put Azalea's Bloom. I liked Bloom it all there easily. I could too. And I could have put Named After Natives. I could have put um, Evan Rudin, Crying in a GMC. Like, it's just, this was tough for me to narrow down. So as of today on Co Wetzel Day, February twenty eighth, as we're recording, that's my top three. Ask me tomorrow, might be different. This is true. Yeah, same. Made her that way could easily have been up there for me. Boys, last question before we close it out: um, Do we have an early front runner for maybe Cole Can's album of the year already in February? Well, I was thinking a lot of music to go. A lot of music to go. Yes, yeah, we we know Zach Bryan's gonna drop some nuke it's like 400 songs sometime this year <laughs> um but i think i knew in 2021 the album of the year was in march and i want to say when did zach Bryan release the something in the orange was that was spring was it not well i think he really yeah. released the album in may but the something was in it- the orange was march was it not the single the single was the, but Heart, American Heartbreak was like March May twentieth. Well, May twentieth. Yeah, I mean okay. April or May. So, okay, I was thinking. I was like, there's something about the month month of March. Morgan Wade in two years ago, and yeah. now, you know, Zach Bryan. Yeah, he ended up in May. I couldn't remember off the top of my head, but yeah. Mm, mm, I don't know. I'm pretty I, confident. Top five. Yeah, I think this is pretty confident it's going to be in my top five, too. But we'll see. Nevertheless, we have a lot of months to go. It's certainly, at worst, it's going to make honorable mention. Yeah, at worst. It's already solidified that at worst. Yeah, yeah. At worst, it's honorable mention. The main thing, you know, Zach just dropped a nuke in July. Yeah. (laughs) We'll have to see. Oh, oh, 40 Um, songs. Well, Morgan Wallen's got, what, 38? 36. 36 30. coming out this Friday. <laughs> yeah, that's absurd. So, yeah. Yeah, fun. it's crazy, but, you know, that's the modern music release trend. This was perfect. Days. This was perfect. 16. It was digestible in, like, three days. Yeah, especially considering we already heard four, so we had 12 new ones, really, that we were 
you know, able to dive into. So, but either way, Muscadine Bloodline, fantastic album. Highly recommend. Um, I, I, if you've been a fan of theirs as I have for a long time, you will like it. If you did not necessarily like their slicker, uh, stuff from early in their career and you're an independent fan who says, Hey, I don't like anything that's kind of mainstream. Give this a chance. Trust me. Turnpike shouted them out. Yeah. And you know, BJ Barham did too. So like definitely, definitely check this album out because these guys are hitting their stride with this record. Um, I want to see them in concert again. I haven't seen them since many, many years ago at City Limits, back when they only Wilkesboro, had a few, couple EPs July out. July 22nd. I know. I know. I Wilkesboro. saw that. Yeah, that'd, be, that'd be fun. That'd yeah. be fun. So. That's a good, yeah. So we'll have to see. But uh, be sure to give us five stars. Great review on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon, and Stitcher. Check out the website, countryandcoldcans.com, for blog content and merch. Pick up a hat, uh, T-shirt, available there. And uh, then, you know, Click the description in this podcast. Click the link that says click here to leave us a voicemail. Let us know what you think about the Muscadine record. Um, what has been your favorite album released through the first two months? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'll play it on the show. Got any questions for us? Hit us there, too. For this episode of Country and Cold Cans, I'm Logan. Sitting here with Trucker, Andy, and Kyle. See you next time. Take care. <laughs>